Welcome to Warriors Off Court, San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm Connor Letourneau, the Warriors beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, joined again by Janie Hugh, the assistant sports editor for the Chronicle. So Janie, we're here on uh, on what is a Thursday afternoon at the San Francisco Chronicle newsroom. Uh, obviously, just got got back from one of the craziest road stretches I've personally ever experienced—a six-city, ten-day gauntlet. Now, luckily, we're in the we're about to about in the middle of uh, of one of the nicest road stretch or home stretches of the season. Uh, I'm not leaving California until January 3rd, wow. uh, which is very nice. Um, I am going to LA next week for the for the big Kobe Bryant game, where Kobe will get his his jersey numbers retired against the Warriors. But outside of that, I'm I'm chilling at home, so it's I'm I'm pretty thankful for that. Enjoy the stretch. That's a that's a long one. Um, yeah, I think uh, you've been on the road for basically the last month. Yeah, no, literally, I think I was gone. You count, you calculated it, but I think it was twenty six days out of a you know forty a thirty day span. So, I'm I'm definitely appreciate appreciative of that. And the good thing about this team is there's never a shortage of things to write about, whether or not you're on the road or whether or not you're at home. Um, you know, obviously the big storyline right now being Steph Curry's injury. He's uh, a little over a week into what is going to be at least a two week absence. Um, you know, if everything goes well, when he gets his, his checkup next week, he could be back as soon as December 19th, December 20th. And as far as you've heard, it seems that the injury looked bad when it happened, but everything that we you've written is that Steph seems to be ahead of track or he's on track. It's not anything more serious. No, he, there's been no setbacks. He, he only was on two crutches for one day. He was out of his boot within a couple of days. Um, you know, from what I've seen, he's walking around normally, he's getting in work on the stationary bike. He's going through his normal rehab without any setbacks, so to speak. Um, so Warriors fans should be optimistic, but let's keep in mind, like we talked about a lot last week, this staff uh, is going to be as cautious as humanly possible with someone like, like Steph Curry, their two time MVP, a guy who has a history of ankle issues. So it wouldn't shock me at all if he didn't come back immediately December 19th if he if he missed a few more days. The big question I'm getting right now is he going to miss that big Christmas Day game against Cleveland? I'd say 50-50 right now. There's a chance um but if he's 100% ready to go, they'll let him play. I mean, yeah. they're they're not going to hold him out for no reason. And he's going to want to play too. That's Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who gets up for those types of games and right. And there is, whether or not they want to admit it, there's still somewhat of a rivalry there with Cleveland. You know, so nothing really surprising there. What has been a little bit more surprising is the other names joining him on the injury report lately. Uh, This is a team that most of this season has gone pretty unscathed injury-wise. And just in the past week or so, you've seen a bunch of names get on that list. Zaza Petrulia has been dealing with a nagging uh, shoulder injury, shoulder pain. Uh, if you remember, he came back for like five minutes in that Charlotte game, had to leave, and then has been out ever since then. He'll be out tonight. Uh, Draymond Green has missed, uh, you know, has, is, is, has missed a couple games with an, his own shoulder injury. Um, 
they keep saying it's minor, but he keeps missing games. And and like we said, we we know they want to be cautious. I don't think it's anything to worry about, but it is a little bit more nagging, a little bit more lingering than I ever expected. Um, he doesn't even know when he got it. I mean, the, he can't trace the origins of this injury. And nothing. And you didn't see anything during a game or a practice or anything like that. So there's just no. No, no. and he 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 did play in the Detroit game. Um, Last week, if you remember, that's kind of his homecoming game, being from Saginaw, which is like 90 minutes away, um, and played great. Had one of his best games of the season. He didn't shoot well, but he had 13 assists, six blocks. He was completely dominant defensively, um, and and I think played one of his best games of the year. So I don't think it's anything to worry about too much. This injury actually kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, – of that ankle sprain that Durant had earlier in the season where he he got injured, missed a game, and then really wanted to come back for that Oklahoma City game, came back, played okay, and then re-aggravated it and was out a while. And right. that's, I think that's kind of what happened here with Draymond. Right, it was like a oops, maybe I shouldn't have done that when you look back on it. Yeah, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? Um, but things like ankle sprains, things like shoulder tweaks can be – tricky it's hard it's hard to judge so um i've been getting a lot of questions about it my advice is to not worry too much uh the the good the silver lining here is it's is it's late december it's mid-december um and these games in the grand scheme of things are just a long prelude to the games that actually matter but that being said you have to be happy with what the warriors are doing right now they've won seven in a row they went 6-0 and on a six-game road trip for the first time in franchise history. That's only been done a handful of times in NBA history. Yeah. I mean, that's hard to do. Absolutely. Um, I think the the you might see it more often now with these road trips being extended out a little bit because I know one of the biggest factors in that was the back-to-back games that, are, right. that teams have to play on the road and you come in and you're automatically at a disadvantage. I'm really curious to see if, like, say, in the next five or ten years we'll see – you know, obviously teams aren't going to be as dominant as the Warriors, but it is an incredible achievement. No, and I think I do think that there's I don't want to say people take this team for granted, but th- I think it's easy w- now that this team has been, you know, one of the best teams in the league, if not the best in the league, the past three plus seasons for for teams to kind of or teams and also fans to kind of take something like that for granted. I mean, the reality is that is a pretty crazy feat. Um, as someone who grew up following the Portland Trailblazers in Portland, I know if they had done something like that, it would have been a big deal. But, uh, you know, that's kind of the world we live in right now with the Warriors. Um, but a lot of positives, I think, are emerging from D- Curry's injury, which I know still feels weird to say, but but it's true. Um, I think you've seen a lot of other guys stepping up, Most first and foremost being Kevin Durant. Uh, he's a guy who... I kind of got I got some flack from the Warriors PR staff recently because I've been using the word I've used the word inconsistent in my stories to describe really? his season. Inconsistent. Inconsistent, <laughs> and I remind them it's inconsistent by his standard. Okay, I'm not. You you kind of have to judge someone like Kevin Durant on a different plane than other people, but he's on track to have by far the most turnovers in his career. He has been eject. He was ejected um, three times in 18 game span. I've been ejected, I think, twice in over 800 games before that. He's third in the league in technical fouls. Uh, his shooting percentages aren't quite where they normally are. So has he been bad? No, he's definitely 
played at an all-star level. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind he'll be in the all-star game come February, but he's just been a little bit uneven by his by his measuring stick. And I think you've seen with Curry out that he's taken his game to another level. And when I say another level, I really mean he's been more consistent. Um, he had a 35-point triple-double in his first game with with Curry out in Charlotte. The next game, he had, he was three assists shy of a 30-point triple-double. Um, his numbers with Curry out are just insane. Obviously, he was Western Conference Player of the Week last week. Um, and I think and one the biggest thing that I've noticed, which I've written about, is forget the numbers. You can tell watching him play that he's just more comfortable out there. He's looser. At his core, Kevin Durant is a guy who has a street ball mentality. He's a guy who dropped 66 points at Rucker Park, who loves to play on the blacktop whenever he's back home every summer in Maryland. That's what he's about. And he's pulling – moves and tricks out of his out of his repertoire that you didn't see earlier in the season I mean he there was one play um in Detroit where he crossed over Anthony Tolliver twice and it just made him look silly it was like something you would see at a Rucker Park um and so that's I think that's the biggest development I've seen from him is him you know feeling comfortable to do that right you mentioned inconsistent I think that we just saw a few things that were maybe out of character yeah. Uh, for Durant, especially with those technical fouls and getting thrown, uh, you know, it just yeah. it didn't seem to jive with what we've seen over his career. I yeah. think, and again, as you said, he's just he's he is judged on a different level. It would be like Steph having a bad game. A bad game for Steph is a pretty darn good game for. I mean, ninety percent of the people league. are freaking out right now, or were freaking out before he got he got injured because he was shooting around thirty eight percent from three. Thirty eight percent from three is pretty darn good for most players. But let's keep in mind, this is a guy who statistically is probably the best shooter of all time. So 38% pretty bad for him. So it's it's still a storyline. It's still something that, as the beat writer, I need to talk about because it's just, like you said, out of character. But some other things that, that you've noticed with, with Curry being out is not only has Durant stepped up, but you've seen how deep this bench really is. I mean, for, for to understand the depth of a team – that depth must be tested. And the depth of this team wasn't tested a lot of times earlier in the season. And now that guys are getting injured beyond just Curry, you're seeing guys like Jordan Bell, Omri Caspi, um, Nick West. Young, David yeah. West. All those guys have had moments of brilliance. And they've what, what you've seen is they can play good basketball and get you points when they need it, and they can also do it in an efficient way. What, what, the one thing that's – boggled my mind is you look at those guys numbers after games and they might have 12 points but they're doing it on five of six shooting you know that's that's what Steve Kerr loves to see well and that's uh, in the NBA that's what role players get judged on you know they're they they don't have the luxury of being able to play out of play their way out of a funk like you know the starters have a lot longer leash right so you get in there for five minutes you have to do do something in those five minutes um the more efficient you are the better you talk about moments of brilliance a guy like jordan bell i don't think we could talk enough about him and what he the level of uh energy intensity excitement whatever you want to want to call it um the the play where he chased down was it Damian Lillard in the Portland game and and uh, swatted that ball away? Um, it just plays like that. Th- those kind, you tell me. Those those kind of players don't come along all that often. No, I mean, there's 
it's rare to have a rookie second round pick, mind you, a guy who they had, you know, paid three point five million dollars to the Bulls to acquire, who is this comfortable? Because the reality is to have these kind of I call them sports center worthy highlights. <laughs> right. Uh, you you need a, a certain swag factor, um, and what you're seeing also is is he's learning quickly on the job. Um, he had a great comment after that Damon Lillard block where he said a couple games earlier he had had a turnover and he just kind of sulked and stayed back and got yelled at by Steve Kerr for for not running down back on defense. And he said that as soon as he had that turnover trying to pass to Durant, that he that got into his brain and he's like, I need to run back. And that's when he got that block on, 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 on Lillard because crazy as it might seem, he's faster than Damian Lillard, even though Damian Lillard is a point guard and he's a power forward. Right. Um, he is a world-class athlete. He ran track in high school at a high level. Steve Kerr has said he's the fastest guy on the team. Um, so it's going to be fun to see what he can do going forward. I've gotten a lot of questions on his future. And I think he's a guy who, uh, could play big minutes next season. This is all a prelude to next season because every single center on their roster is on a one-year deal other than Jordan Bell. So it's not out of the realm of possibility if he really instills confidence with the coaching staff that he could be their starting center next year, which is crazy to say, but it's possible. He's definitely going to be in the rotation. Right. Well, I think it's it, with these younger players, you know – they're going to make mistakes. And as a coaching staff, I think you want to see how they respond to that because you're never going to eliminate that, especially in their first year in the league. And so with hustle plays, with that determination and using that athleticism, that I mean, that like, again, that block, it was you. I could watch a replay of that over and over again because artistically it just looks so good. You know, it was, it's in the, the funny thing is it's, it feels like 30 seconds after he steps on the court for the first time, he has a play like that. It's right. he does it right away, and I can see why he's a fan favorite. And he's kind of taken that Javale McGee role that Javale had last season, where every time he entered the game, the crowd roared just because they, he was a fan favorite. That is what Bell is, and and unfortunately for McGee, he's taken some minutes for McGee. McGee's kind of been an afterthought this season. But um, the one guy that we really need to talk about is is Sean Livingston. He's a guy who. We all we all know his story. We all know uh, anyone that's followed this team knows that he um, came back from that gruesome knee injury. was was a franchise point guard in waiting uh, for the L.A. Clippers back in the day. Uh, everything looked like it was on track to be that guy. Had a gruesome knee injury. For, he had to miss an entire season, the 2007-2008 season, learning how to walk again, literally, uh, and then you know bounced around from team to team. And eventually found his niche uh, three years ago with the Warriors and has settled in as a leader of that second unit with Andre Iguodala. With Steph Curry out, he's even more important. And and what I wrote about yesterday was basically this is a guy who puts the fears of, of a guy like Curry being out to rest a little bit because you, you Kerr can lean on, on someone he knows what he's going to get from both on and off the court. Uh, Sean Livingston is, um, he and I have something in common, which I guess you could say is that we came into the league at the same time. <laughs> he was in the NBA draft the year that I started covering the NBA. And I think a lot of people forget that he's one of the few 
high school, direct high school to NBA players um, before they changed the rules where you had to either play a year in college or sit out. You basically like an age limit mm-hmm. was in, enacted. Um, and he did. He came he came into the league as the fourth overall pick. Um, there was such an upside um, and had had a solid season. And in one of the at that point, the LA Clippers um one of their best seasons in a long time. Um, you talk about downtrodden franchises, the Warriors and Clippers, you know, were yeah. right there with each other. Yeah. And, um, you know, he had some injuries even before his main knee, uh, I don't even want to call it a knee, um, or, you know, the, the gruesome, where he basically, every part of his knee was injured. And I, th- I think what I remember even back then is that at some point he was even told in the hospital, we might have to amputate your leg because there's so much damage. Three of the so four ligaments in his knee were shattered. Right. So just imagine that. Um, I, 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 to, to even be back, to even be back in the league at any level, I think is incredible. And now, as you can see, like he's just added so much value to a team. Yeah, no, and I got the chance to, to sit down with him a couple of days ago and we talked about a range of subjects, a lot of the stuff that we, we just kind of touched upon, but uh, here, here's our conversation. You know, looking back on the couple times that you've, you've had to, you know, fill in for Steph when he's been out, you've done a really nice, nice job. And I was trying to think about, you know, why you're so good in that role. And it probably goes back to, you know, that, that time in your career where you had, where you're in and out of yeah. rotations yeah. and didn't really, you know, kind of vying for a spot in the league, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Just more so uh, when I was first coming back in the NBA, you know, I, I had to make my, I had to make an impact through, you know, uh, garbage minutes, right? Uh, we'd be losing by 20, you know, blowout games, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you know, because I was on teams that weren't winning a lot of games. We were pretty much losing a lot of games. <laughs> bad. Right. And, uh, so the, the minutes might not seem very impactful, but for me, just maybe understanding, you know, I hadn't been out on the court, I hadn't had a chance or opportunity to play, and this is my opportunity, you know. Right. And I just, you know, I knew I could impact the game. You know, the more I played, the better I felt physically, and then that gave me confidence you know, mentally to know that I can get back to a place to where I can impact a, uh, a meaningful game, you know what I'm saying? Like, not just a blowout, not just, you know, play well and when nobody's watching or when it doesn't really matter, the game's yeah. out of hand, but, you know, like, an important game, you know, uh, a good team. Right. So. The physical aspect aside, forget the fact that you had to recover from that, that horrible knee injury, but uh, how much of an adjustment was it just going from a guy who was, you know, potentially the future of a franchise, you know, franchise point guard type to, you know, being a guy off the bench who's just trying to get minutes? It was humbling. It was humbling, very humbling. Um, but, I mean, I had gone through that whole process, um, and every step was like a new step, you know, like having surgery, doing that rehab process, teaching myself how to walk again. Um, building muscles again and you know it was all very humbling Um, so once I got back on the court it was the same thing it was all new you know I couldn't blow by guys I couldn't you know didn't have the same athletic burst you know uh, did you ever change your game 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I still played the same way as far as, you know, mid-range and, you know, just picking, picking my spots, but I just had to do it more efficiently. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I had to slow down even more, you know. Um, I couldn't, again, I couldn't blow. I couldn't blow by guys, so it was more just about picking and choosing my spots uh, and kind of playing off of uh, different gears, like, yeah. you know, hesitation, both slow to fast or slow to faster than slow, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was a learning process, you know, from the time I had the injury to the time I came back on the court, everything was new, and I just had to kind of figure it out and really humble myself and my expectations. Was there a specific moment during that during that time where you're about to between teams that kind of sticks out to you, uh, where it was just like, man, I, not, not 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 necessarily can I keep doing this, but this is this is tough, you know? Like, do you, do you remember? You know, maybe getting waved or, or anything specific like that. Yeah, I mean, I remember um, when I first came back. You know, uh, started out moving on from the Clippers, and then um, you know, just remember Trailblazers being the first team to really pass up. You know, I went down to Tucson, Arizona. Did you try out for the Blazers? Yeah, like in a. Yeah, I did like a open workout for him in front of Nate McMillan, the coaching staff. He, you know, he liked me and wanted to bring me in. Um, but the doctors, they, they, they turned it down. The team doctors? Yeah, the team doctors turned it down and said it wasn't worth the risk, you know. And so that was kind of the first, you know, kind of door right. shutting, you know what I'm saying? Um, it just was, it was frustrating. And then from there, looking at it, you know, there was two teams, Minnesota and Miami, that kind of wanted to bring, <coughs> wanted to bring me in. And I decided on going to Miami, you know. Um, but why did you choose Miami? Uh, I thought there could be an opportunity down there, you know, to play. Uh, being with Dwayne, also with them being in a rebuilding situation, uh, there being a you know an opportunity to go down there and play. They didn't really have Mario Chalmers. They just drafted right, him, right. you know. Didn't really have a set point guard, yeah. so it was a chance to kind of maybe earn earn a spot. Right. You know, so it was just I wanted a new chapter, a new journey, really like learn from a new organization, you know, see how it was in the NBA. I, all I knew was what the Clippers had to offer. And right. It was so much different. Right. You know? uh, one thing the guys always talk about is just your veteran presence, kind of how you are in the locker room with the younger guys. Was there were there any vets when you were coming up in the league that that you've kind of tried to emulate in terms of how they approach the game and and how they, you know, treated the younger guys? I just take a little bit from everybody. Um, it's not really one guy that I emulate because, you know, it's more so just me being myself. But right. um, just taking, you know, things from some of the vets that I play with. And, you know, obviously Sam Cassell was big and mentoring me before my injury. Uh, you know, a guy like Katina Mobley, a guy like um, Walter McCartney. Walter McCarthy played a lot of years in the league, okay. moved around a lot of teams, um, just how to be professional. Um, Elton Brand, you know, how yeah. to carry yourself. Um, you know, just teaching me just about 
regardless of your circumstances remaining professional because that's the hardest thing to do. You know, when things aren't going your way, sometimes you just want to spaz out. You right. know? Some people call it being real. Yeah. You know, but you know, you can still be real. You can also real. call that unprofessional. Exactly. Exactly. It, <laughs> yeah. it goes, you know, it's a double-edged sword. So it's like, you can still be yourself and be real, yeah. but also be professional. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. And that's, you know, that's how, that's how I want, I aim to be. You know, I'm not perfect, but I, I, I try to be that way. What are, what are some of the things that you do to stay ready, you know, physically? To, given given your injury history and given the fact that you're getting into your 30s now, what are what are some of the things you do? Yeah, uh, weight room is crucial. Weight room, weight room. Uh, the older you get, the more important it is because your body's just not, you don't wake up the same, you know, yeah. it's not the same. Father time's undefeated, so in that sense, it's like you have to be more diligent, um, you know, in your, your maintenance program and taking care of your body, treatment, ice, uh, you know, staying on top of your, like for me, the summer is like the season, you know, because uh, I got to be ready coming into camp. I can't just take a summer off and just come into camp and like, all right, I'm going to get myself in shape. Those are for the 20s. And even, yeah. I couldn't even do it in my 20s because right. my injury, right, right. you know, so. Um, what did you do this past summer? I uh, went down to Miami. I trained with a trainer down there, Manning Sumner. Uh, he has a gym called Legacy Fit, and it's basically, he trains a lot of football guys, um, a couple of pro basketball guys. But six years now I've been training with him, and it's just all out hell, you know, as far as conditioning, uh, CrossFit, cross-training. Uh, Can you train with NFL guys? Nah. Uh, nah, he... He, he separates us, okay. you know, so football guys train with football guys. Plus, our seasons are different. Right, right. Um, like, if I wasn't going to the playoffs, maybe in, like, you know, May or June, like, April, May, June, you know, I used to see him in there a lot. But since I've been here, you know, they're, they're already in season by the time I go in and start right. training in August. So, um, but, yeah, he... Like, I, we do the same workouts pretty much as they do, you know, as far as he doesn't really separate it. Um, just like sleds, agility, cones, uh, sprints, conditioning, um, you know, sand, sand pit, um, you know, obviously weights, plyometrics, box jumps, and crawl, you know, just a lot of, uh, you know, squats. And, so he does all the basics, but at the same time, it's like circuit training. So we do it back to back without a lot of rest. It's Miami in the summer, so it's yeah. hell. Is it outside? Hot. Yeah, I mean, he has the doors open, so there's oh, no, okay. no real AC in there. Yeah. You know, just fans blowing hot air around. Is that a guy you found when you were with the Heat? That's, that's who I, I, I found him. So I stayed down in Miami for a couple years to live, and uh, I got referred to him by a friend down there. Um, and I just wanted to try something new, to be honest with you. Like, I just wanted to try something new. I was kind of bouncing around teams. And, and then, it, it honestly, it changed my, my whole physical approach, you know, my mental approach to, you know, how I start working out because that was the best shape I've been in in my life, you know, yeah. even before my injury. I was probably more athletic before my injury, but as far as the shape, yeah. physically how I felt, that was the best shape I've been in. So, you know, like... I'll always go down there until I retire. Yeah. What uh? When you saw Steph in 
that New Orleans game, you know, limping to the locker room at the end of that game. What was kind of going through your mind? I mean, I know, I know, you know, it's, you know, going in, yeah. it's like you see a situation like that. Even, even if it wasn't a big deal, coach was going to at least set him out a game or two, you know, right. just to make sure you don't want a chance on your right. franchise guy in December. So, I mean, just it's just about being ready, you know. Right. Fortunately for me, I've been in this situation in the shoes the past three years, so um, he hasn't missed a lot of games like this year right. with this type of injury. But um, knowing that he was going to be out for a little while, you know, it's just mentally getting yourself ready. And knowing that, I mean, it's I, I rely for me, I rely on the system. That's right. how I, that's how I take pressure off myself. As far as I try to rely on the system, and, you know, on. Uh, you know, I got great teammates around me. I'm still playing with three all-stars. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, it's not just me, you know? So. How, how do you feel about the fact that they try to limit your minutes even when a guy, like, steps out? It, I mean, yeah. that's probably more of a trainer thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a coaching staff and trainer thing. Uh, just kind of experience over the last couple years. Like, anytime my minutes have gone up, it's been, um, it's been, a, it's been kind of like, you know, I've had a couple nagging injuries, you know, but, um... You feel like it just kind of takes a toll more than it would? Yeah, yeah, it, and it depends on what kind of game it is. Like, I mean, personally, me, I feel like I can play more minutes, yeah. you know, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of a big picture thing. Right. Know? And they're looking at it like, why take the risk, you know, if we can still get accomplished you know, what we're right. trying to get accomplished with, right. you know, 20 instead of 35 or 30, you know? So when you see them, you know, based off matchups and stuff, start a guy like a Quinn right, right, right. in a Charlotte game, right. what's your feeling about that? Like, you're, you're completely understanding. Yeah, about... yeah, yeah. It's just about the, it's, it's about what's best for the team, first of all. That's the professional side. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Knowing that they're going to do what's best for the team. And then, you know, the second side is knowing that, you know, they're trying to manage my minutes. And, um, I have to look at it like that. You have to look at it from a different standpoint. Like I don't, I don't want to look at it from an immature standpoint. Like you know, Quinn Cook's better than me. Wow. Yeah. You know, I'm better than Quinn Cook. Why yeah. am I not starting? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. maybe if I was younger, you know. But um, in this type of role that I'm in, you know, like but sometimes you know, coach wants to keep our second unit intact. Right. There's a better matchup. I mean, Kimba being fast and quick, you know, chasing him around. Right. Maybe that's, you know, a better job for Quinn, right. you know, uh, starting, give him confidence, whatever it is, you know. There may be different motivations, but it's just about being ready when I'm called, you know. Was so. uh, what happened in Miami with, with, uh, with Courtney Kirkland, was that was that a big learning experience for you? I know, obviously, that what wasn't all to – you weren't all to blame for that, and the league, uh, you know, recognized that, but – did you learn from that experience? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it's you know, it's it's just about being poised. And, you know, at least once a year, I have a blowout. You know what I'm saying? To where I remember that kinda, Portland yeah, game. Yeah, it just kind of comes up. It, it's bubbling. You know, it's bubbling on the surface. Why is that? Uh, you know, it's just that's who I am, my personality. You Do you think it's saying? because like, you're so even killed 99% yes, of the yes. time that it's just human nature that it's gonna surface? Yeah, up yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, that's just me being myself. And, you know, like, I'm flawed, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. flawed in that, in that sense. Like, I can be 
I can I can definitely keep my cool. I could have kept my cool then. One, I was trying to get a technical, but I could have gone about it. I could have gone about it a different way. You, you were know? trying to get a technical just to make just a to point. make a point that yeah. you know, listen, you know, like I, I asked you nicely to look for the foul, you didn't, so now I'm telling you. You right. know, that's basically all I wanted to get accomplished, right. but I, it didn't come across that way. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you, so, had you made a comment to him the previous play? Yes. Like, hey, this guy's fouling me. Yes. And and then it happened again the next play. Yes. The very next play. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that that was the part where it was like, you know, I, I just told you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, well, I just asked yeah. you. I just yeah, yeah. asked you nicely. You right. Know? And now, you know, I feel like you're you're not you're taking my kindness for weakness. You know what I mean? Right. So right. now I'm I'm telling you. You know. And right. So that's it was. And it went too far. You were kind of standing up for yourself. You know, that's yeah. like that's how I felt like I was standing up for the fact that standing up for the fact that, like, you know, it's like, look, you know, like, just I felt like I deserve some respect out here. You know right. what I mean? That's all. And you know, I, I need to go about it a different, you know, a better way. I can be better about getting that communication across. I know? noticed that as soon as you were ejected, you didn't, you yeah. didn't linger. Yeah. You untucked your shirt and walked off the court. Yeah. Even though you probably did, you even know in that moment that he had stepped into you. Like, could, could you? Yeah, did but you have I mean, that aware? yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, but like at that point, the damage is done, and it's like you know, I'm just making myself kind of look stupid being out there. Right. That's how I feel. You know? Right, right. Like you know, the call's been made. It is what it is. You know. Um, I'm out, I already know I'm out of the game, so right. trying to stand out there and yeah. they're not going to reverse the call, you know. And, and as soon as it happened, it's like, you know, I kind of took a step back and like, all right, you know, it is what it is. It's pretty rare for the league to discipline a referee like that. What, yes. do, what do you think yes. of them I mean, doing that? I th you know, I think they, at the end of the day, like, it was their call. It's not my call to make, right. you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not my call to make. I told, like I said earlier, um, they discipline me. I focus on what I can do better, you right. know, and I, I, I can only control my actions. And that, that's not even, you know, I'm, I'm trying not even, not to even bullshit you and like give you a cliche. No, no, you know what I mean, like I just, you know, just from a standpoint of like, you know, I'm not, I was never that guy pointing the finger, like, you know, you know did you? But did you see him? Did you see yeah. him? You know, if I got in trouble, that's just not. I wasn't raised that way, and that's not. That's that's. You know, that's a lame way to take. You yeah. know, I, I think it's about accepting responsibility for your actions. So that's what I try to do. You know, whatever it is that they were gonna do with him. You know, I could have told you if they. Maybe if they didn't discipline him, you know, that could have been. You know, they would have asked me like, "What do you think?" You know, yeah, I might have said, you know, well, damn, you know, like I. I take responsibility for my actions, but at the same time, you know, I wasn't the only one. What kind of support did you get from your teammates and from, from your friends and, and family after that? Um, nah, it was more so just like, you know, stop headbutting referees. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, that was the first time you've done yeah, that, right? Yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure, yeah. I mean, sure. I, and I mean, I'm, you know, that was I was only the second time you've ever been ejected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was only the second time. So it doesn't happen often, you know, like, like I said, it just, just kind of got outside myself, you know, like I can, I know I can, my temper can flare for sure, you know, like I can get to that point, but usually I'm trying to stay even killed, trying to focus on the game, 
my role, you know, and thinking about the moment. And so one or two times a year, it's like I try to go out and get a tech if I don't feel like I'm yeah. getting that same respect or if they're listening to me. Right. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, man. No worries. No All worries. Right. Yeah. Good talking to you. Yes, sir. All right. So, Janie, as you can as you can tell from that conversation, Sean's a very thoughtful guy. He's a guy who um, brings a lot of perspective to this team. He's been through a lot personally. He's very self-aware. He's very candid. Obviously, from a beat writer's perspective, you love guys like that because – he's willing to to be honest with you and, and give you some insight into what he's really about. Um, and I think he's going to be crucial for them. You know, he just signed that big deal for him last summer, three years, 27 million, which was kind of a reward, I think, for everything he's gone through. And so I think you'll see him being a stable, stabilizing force on this team for the next few years. Um, but kind of looking ahead – a little bit um you know like we said the warriors are home for a while uh, but but the one exception to that is that they are going down to LA at the start of next week for for a Lakers game that's going to be pretty interesting because it is the game where Kobe Bryant is having not one but two of his numbers retired uh number eight, of his numbers? yeah number 8 and number 24 uh because you know with someone like that how, how do you not retire retri- retire both of his numbers right um but the cool thing that i i think about that is this generation of warriors and let's forget the warriors this generation of nba player grew up idolizing him you know a lot of the players in the league are around my age i'm 27 they're my age or younger and I remember idolizing Kobe Bryant when I was younger. You know, when I was coming of age, starting to follow the NBA, it was really when he was starting to hit his prime. So um, this is going to be a cool moment for a lot of the Warriors. Yeah, uh, I have the opposite. Well, not maybe not the opposite experience of you, which is that I was lucky enough to cover Kobe while he was in his prime. Um, and it, the the Warriors back then uh, obviously were not a very good team, um, but I remember a lot of games in LA that uh, they it, it's interesting they wouldn't get blown out. Um, they would actually play the Lakers pretty even. I mean, it's almost like a role reversal from what we see with the Warriors now. You know, teams kind of hang in there, hang in there, but they just can't get over that hump at the end. And those were the games with between, uh, a lot of the games between the Warriors and the Lakers. Um, We actually went down to L.A., uh, the day after, or maybe it wasn't the day after, but remember how Kobe, I don't know if you saw this game on TV, he dropped 81 points against Toronto, and the Warriors had the next game against Kobe. It was in Los Angeles, and there was like this buzz at Staples Center because people wanted to know what he would do next. And obviously yeah. he had a pretty regular game, like say regular maybe 30 points. Again, we're talking, <laughs> you know, depending on uh, perspective here, that's probably not a great game for Kobe. Fun, fun fact about that game, uh, Clay Thompson, his dad, Michael Thompson, a longtime Laker, won a couple titles with the Lakers, grew up a huge Kobe Bryant fan. His dad had tickets to that game and uh, Clay decided he wasn't interested. Oh, it's Toronto. They suck. I, I don't want to go to that game. It'll be boring. <laughs> he regrets it to this day. And then fast forward a few years last season, he, if he had, if he had played a normal amount of minutes in that in that sixty point game oh, against right. Indiana, mm-hmm. he would have been on pace to break that record. To, well, I guess it's not technically a record, but he would have been on pace to shatter that eighty two point game, which which is insane. Yeah. Kind of a full circle moment there. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's that's all from us. 
Thank you for listening to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. Give us a follow on iTunes or find us wherever you find your podcasts. And also stay locked and loaded on sfchronicle.com for all your Warriors needs. Thank you.